the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 423, recorded Friday, September 27th, 2019. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, my buddy and pal, Ms. Corey Schaefer from QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Tim, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. It's been so long. <laughs> yes, uh, it's, a, it's an old joke. We, we just got to hang out in Vegas uh, not even 24 hours ago. So, And we'll talk about that and the Avixa experience that we both had. So, uh, But first, let, let's kick this off uh, from our friends over at AV Magazine, uh, which I'll get to go hang out with in about two weeks now. Uh, Jeff Hastings from BrightSign is writing about the, the mic issue in voice-activated digital signage. Uh, he says, quote, unquote, 25% of U.S. adults now have access to a smart speaker, according to voicebot.ai. Soon, it will be just as normal to talking to, as talking to your oven or your light as a dog. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm 100% on the oven part, although there are getting to be smart ovens. Um, Corey, one thing that, that, that we want to focus on here, um, Digital Signage Week, New York Digital Signage Week, which is a, an annual kind of federated group uh, of gathering of folks in and around the digital signage community, comes up in about two, three weeks' time. Um, oh. Be there, Our buddy Chris Nuttall will be there. Lots of folks from you guys will be there. A mix of women are, are having an event that week. Uh, Jeff will be there with Bright Sign. One thing about that event, though, that I find fascinating still is as you're walking around, uh, Phil Langer from Show and Tell a number of years ago put together an app. You can walk around uh, the city, at least Manhattan, and um, point this this augmented reality app, and it, it will show you the technology behind every single display, right? So you're standing cool. in the middle of Times Square, and you're you're putting your phone around and going, okay, that's that's a Dectronics, that's a Dectronics, that's a that's a this, that, and the other. This is the owner. This is the technology behind it. One of the ones that we saw a number of years ago was an interactive uh, 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 piece of digital signage. Understanding that these displays are 20, 30, 100 feet away from you, but still you were able to interact with them. Some of the way that, that, that Jeff is talking about here is giving you the ability to interact from a voice standpoint um, with this digital signage and the content is getting to the point where it can start you know, interacting with you. Yeah. Is this kind of something we see, where we see it going, especially, as he says, as a society, we're getting used to, to talking to technology? Oh, I think, uh, I think we're all getting used to talking uh, to technology. I mean, the, a, a recent study showed that like 50% of us are using voice to activate, um, it, just send an email or a text message on our mobile devices, right? We walk into the house, we say, you know, and Alexa, turn on the turn on the lights. Um, so all of us are getting, you know, it's just becoming very common, I think. And and I just see that growing. The real challenge with digital signage, though, as he brings out in this article, is how how it's so dependent on microphone, right? So in in a crowded space, I mean, in Manhattan or a store, you know, etc. How is the microphone going to be able to differentiate 
from you wanting to interact versus all the ambient. And that's always been a challenge in AV anyway, right? So in our smart devices, we have Omni microphones because it really picks you up very far away and kind of in any direction. And in this environment, it's going to have to be more directional. So something like the microarray technology that was introduced a few years ago, that may work. But I guess I question the value of having it part of digital signage. And I would see greater value in tying it into our smartphones and using the microphone in our smartphones because it's close proximity, which we know helps. And I think people are comfortable with you know, this being a part of us. One thing with that, though, and Jeff and, and Brian saying they make the software that drives a lot of the digital science, right? So he and his team could put in hooks, right, where right. it's a QR code or it's uh, an app or something like that, giving the, the back end, the software, um, the ability to, let's say, have access to your microphone, right? Right. If you, if you go on Facebook, right, and you use the Facebook um, camera, it will ask you for access to your microphone to right. Things, right. This right. would be a very, very similar situation where you know you you download, let's say just use a generic bright sign app and to to interact with the one of the displays that's that's um, around the the big column uh, for the, the ball in, um, in in Times Square, then giving you the access to back and you know to communicate back and forth with a big giant avatar or you know a, a some some sort of content that is talking to you or communicating with you uh, in a, a kind of a back and forth um, scenario. So. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know, people are used to this being a part of them now with, you know, people are now getting used to just using voice to activate things. And now this is just pulling it together in interaction. You know? So I think, yeah, putting the hooks in makes more sense than having dedicated microphones. Do you think some of it also is the type of display? Uh, I mentioned New York Digital Signage Week. And, and, and we use New York a lot when it comes to digital signage as kind of a, it's a test bed a lot of times, but it is kind of our, at least in the States, uh, some of the biggest and, and the most unique instances and uses for digital signage. Now, I would say even more so than, uh, than Vegas, even though Vegas has, is it, you know, bright, shiny lights. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it maybe a different, it depends on the type of, of signage because I'll go back to Times Square. Yes, there are ginormous ones, 100 feet in the air, way away from you. But there's also digital signage at the bus stops, right? At the bus shelters. And there's also digital signage along the streets. And there's, there's wayfinding digital signage that they've started, started putting up the last, in the last few years. Maybe it's more the, if it's a close proximity to you and the display without needing, you know, your cell phone or whatever. It, and then you could employ some sort of uh, beam forming technology microphone to where it's just directionally, you have to be right on axis with that display. Otherwise it's not gonna be, you know, you're not gonna be able to interact with it. Yeah, and in retail and in hospitality, I mean, we're all starting to interact more with, you know, machines than we are humans. So I think this makes a lot of sense. I mean, last time I was in Vegas and stayed overnight, I didn't even check in with a person at the front desk. It was all done via a machine, getting my keys, everything, you know. Um, so I, we're just going to see, that it's going to be fun to watch what happens here. All right, uh, next uh, story comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. Um, BenQ has launched the InstaShow wireless presentation system. We actually had the chance to uh, get our hands on this, so uh, check that out if you would. But what I wanted to say is bring this story around and, and um, uh, use this as a jumping off point to talk about the state of wireless presentation systems in general. Um, 
we have seen this, the rise of this, I'm going to say in the last uh, eight, nine years, to the point where a, a number of, of manufacturers have these, these solutions. They vary. Um, and they vary from being completely software driven to being completely hardware driven, meaning they've got a puck and they've got a, uh, some sort of uh, device that you plug in, whether that's USB, it's HDMI or it's both. Yeah. Uh, or it's, it's software driven. Where do we see this, this system or the, this market segment going in the next couple of years? Is it going to continue to be a hybrid where this group over here is just software and this is just hardware or is the hardware going to go away? So I think we're going to see less and less hardware for sure. And, and I think that, you know, work is changing, right? So there's so much more collaboration. And when I read this one, it's like, I think you have 16 people on, right? Uh, on a screen, which was, I mean, amazing. Um, but so lots of collaboration. And then more importantly, um, the, the spaces we work in. So, you know, you see all these um, spaces where we're wanting to work from anywhere, so at least in my opinion, I think we're going to see it be more software-based. Um, I was talking with some people over at WeWork, and they, they have these spaces where they have all kinds of guests coming in, and they're trying to have a great experience. Well, how do you accommodate it um, when you've got hardware, software, et cetera, and you just don't know what they're going to come in with? So they're trying to build rooms that can accommodate you know, kind of virtually everything that users are using or requesting, you know, and it, it's just... It's we're going to see more collaboration, costs come down, and more software based. In my opinion, yeah, I would agree with that. And not to be confused, I understand there is also a hardware base to the receiving end yeah. of software parts. I'm talking about the actual the elements that are plugged into your into your laptop. So, uh, you know, at, at home, I was going to just say at home we do a lot of uh, sharing of content. You know, based on vacation, like I just uh, recently did a vacation. There were uh, three of us or, uh, that, went, that went along and we were literally taking our photos and video and just throwing them up on the screen, you know, wirelessly. So, I mean, it's what's happening at home is definitely, you know, being pulled into the workplace. Yeah, those, we used to do that with slide, slide, slide decks, folks. So <laughs> we just do it and flip it up there. So. Uh, this last story comes to us from uh, actually Aviation. Uh, Pinnica uh, is a global uh, video communications and unified communications uh, software service, and uh, it's a managed service provider. They uh, sent us a press release this week talking about their UC managed services for Zoom. And what's interesting about this, at least to me, and, and when we posted this, I had a number of people email me and say, hey, we do this too. Great. Send me the information because I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, they have, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a managed service uh, provider for visual communications, i.e. Uh, um, uh, video communications, like so UCC products. Uh, and they're, give, they're doing it uh, with Zoom now. So, we're, so it's a Zoom video communications um, MSP. Corey, I'm going to start, talk about this for a second. Um, because the, the MSP, the managed service provider sector of the AV industry seems to be growing, at least to me. And that is one of those areas where folks who debate AV as a service can, can absolutely debate it over here. This is where it's happening, right? Uh, one of my dearest friends who used to be an AV, right? He, he was a rep for, for Sennheiser. He was a rep for QSC, you know, and he has since left pretty much the AV industry. And he has started his own company where he is a voice 
MSP, right? He provides voice services, he provides uh, network backup and all of this computer help. And I'm looking at the sales process that he goes through. I'm looking at the uh, terminology he uses when he sells and when he talks with his clients and when he's providing support. It's really similar <laughs> to what AV providers are, are talking with their clients now, making you know uptime and making sure that that products are um, being deployed correctly and making sure that that everything's on the network and and you know they have the access that they need for you know uh, maintenance and providing the backend support. Are we slowly but surely as an as an industry moving towards a service provider you know model, regardless of what anybody's going to argue about AV as a service? I don't care what you call it. We are becoming an MSP. We are, and um, you know, slowly but surely, we're coming along, right? So we've got uh, there are many uh, uh, formal integrators that have embraced managed services, and others are, tr are scratching their head about how do they get in. You know, that reoccurring revenue model, etc. Our industry is looking at new ways to generate revenue because the margins in hardware is shrinking. We see uh, less hardware going into projects, more software-based applications. We were just talking about it with wireless presentations. And most importantly, though, is what the customer wants, right? Listening to customers. And, and the customers today want to have um, great service that, that they don't have to wait for. And they need it 24-7 because of how their, uh, their employees are working. Their employees are working... Um, you know, some, they're not typically working the typical nine to five days anymore, right? So, so this is really offering a true value of service. So if there's an issue, somebody can pick that up. And so we, I, think, I think our industry, we are, we're going to see this grow tremendously. Some people don't know how to do it. Uh, but, you know, your friend that you were just talking about, I, I sit on a council with CompTIA and that is exactly what happened there. They used to be PBX uh, suppliers, you know, hardware suppliers, et cetera. They're, most of them are all small managed service providers today. And, that, you know, and they had to learn their way through it. And that's happening now in the AV world as well. And for those integrators who are scared of, of this and, and who don't, maybe not know how to do it, um, you know, he has come along and, and he is not by any, he's not the biggest MSB in, in the Midwest but he understands the recurring revenue model, right? And the folks that he's learning from and he's, and he's uh, getting mentored by, you know, you, you add a client here, you add two clients here and, and that recurring revenue eventually will end up, you know, that will be the basis for your, you know, you supplying the uh, livelihood for you and your employees. And then from there you work off of the, um, the, the projects, right? Um, he has some folks, uh, you know, here up and down the, the, the Mississippi who they're bringing in, you know, 10 to $20,000 a month um, for a small company, right? It, it's a company of like three folks, uh, not his, but, but that's one of these folks that he's, he's dealing with. And they hit $20,000 a month in probably a span of, of two to three years. That's not insignificant. You know, it's, it's not going, it's a million dollars a month but it's enough for you and your, you know, three or four folks to kind of build on and then, you know, again, get, get uh, more and more projects. So. And great margins and you stay in touch with your client on a regular basis. So it's not just a one and done project. I mean, there are just so many reasons why um, our industry will adopt it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, last subject, I guess here, it's not really a story. Uh, I don't have a link to provide for you, but 
I was incredibly uh, blessed this week. I, I had a very interesting week. If you were in Canada or New Jersey or Vegas uh, and you didn't see me, I'm sorry, I was in your neighborhood. Um, if you'll be in Miami or uh, London or New York in the next three weeks, you can, you know, make sure we hook up. Um, but Corey and I got to hang out yesterday in, in Las Vegas uh, with Avixa at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, which is where the Golden Knights play. If you have listened to this program for any length of time, you understand that I am a huge hockey fan, a huge St. Louis Blues fan, and a, yes, Chicago Bears fan, but that's not part of the story. Um, as someone who has watched hockey the majority of my life, let's say, um, it was the late 70s when I first saw my first hockey game. Um, I got the chance to do a presentation and to- On the ice. On you were on the ice. Freaking ice. Yeah, that was- on the ice of an NHL arena. That was something else. Um, but it was part of a VIX's experience tours, right? Uh, back in the, in the spring, they did a tour um, uh, with my buddy Cindy Davis. She got to do the exact same thing, but in, at Mercedes-Benz Center, uh, yeah. Mercedes-Benz um, uh, Stadium there in, in Atlanta. This, the, during the fall, they did it at, uh, at uh, the T-Mobile uh, arena. I will say this. The folks at Avix, the last three or four years, there have been some shakeups and there have been some folks coming and going. The team that they have now for this uh, event and for these events and the folks that are really trying to connect with, with the, um, the members have really done a good job. Um, one person I'm going to pick out just in general, uh, his name is Johnny Greco. And Johnny is in charge of the uh, fan experience uh, at um, T-Mobile Arena for the Golden Knights. Right? He works for the Golden Knights, not for T-Mobile. Um, he made a comment yesterday during, during our talk about listening to the customer, listening to the audience, and giving them the experience that they want. Understanding that in Vegas, you have any number, let's just say 100 or 200 ways you could spend your money on any given night. Well, for 40 some odd nights a year, the Golden Knights would like you to spend your money there instead of going to see Celine Dion or going to see a Cirque show. And his attitude in trying to connect with the audience and giving them the experience that they want was remarkable. And yes, the technology was there, but I really, I, I, what I really walked away with was the fact that the, the folks at Avixa are really trying to get really good people who were designing and, and providing uh, unique experience for folks. Yes, the technology, but also, you know, uh, the mindset of, of creating an experience. Tim, what was really cool about it, you had a panel and Johnny Greco uh, talked about the user, you know, his audience's experience and the questions that came from the group that was there, they were all directed at Johnny. So, I mean, it was really cool to see the technology, of course, but uh, to, to really understand, like, how do you adopt on the fly um, maybe the song that you've chosen that evening? How do you change, you know, how do you shake it up to make sure you don't lose your fans? And, and, you know, get because he recognizes that everybody has something in their hand that they could be tweeting out, good or bad. And he's really, he's, they're, they're following their, their fans digitally. They're following them in the venue itself you know, et cetera, and making adjustments. It, I mean, he was, he's, a, he, not only was he a passionate and great speaker, but um, what a fascinating, he calls himself a storyteller, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a storyteller that has, uh, you know, a big hunk of ice as, as part of his canvas. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and the folks, you made the, the, the technology part of that and the, the back end of that was the support as well um, from Dectronics, who provides the, the ribbons, if you've been to any sort of stadium uh, here in the States, um, the ribbons around, around the bowl. And then uh, Chrissy Digital, um, who they're not the only ones who do uh, ice mapping, but they're the ones who do a number of them. Um, did the ones there in, in Vegas. Uh, they were there as well as the forks from 3G. And um, one of the production heads for UFC uh, was on the stage with me as well. And then uh, before then, I actually got the chance to, to talk with the, the head of IT for, for T-Mobile about some of the challenges that he has. And yeah, I, I don't want his job. Um, no, but he was interesting too because he said he's got a ten. He's got ten gig in there, and he's not even touching five of it at this point, right? Yeah, and the main reasoning he had behind that was the fact that that folks aren't utilizing, um, yeah, utilizing their cell service, which because of that, and again, goes back to talking and listening to your clients and your customers. Um, based on the feedback that they got, they deployed even more um, cell. Uh, antennas uh, within the building. Uh, I think he said on every single floor there are there are X numbers um, because it's a ginormous steel building uh, and you're not going to get service in there unless they do these things. And so yeah, they've even deployed even more uh, since they opened up uh, four years ago now. I think. Uh, yeah, and on one of the one of the levels, they actually have some uh, areas uh, for fans to be able to go ahead and place their order for food or beverage and then have it waiting for them when they show up. So very cool. All about the experience. So yep. uh, if you get a chance, uh, even if you're not a hockey fan, they do other things there, uh, including the UFC fights apparently. Um, but you know, they uh, check out the T-Mobile. It was a really, really cool experience. And if you get a chance to, to hang out with, with Avixa uh, next year, uh, I believe this was the last experience uh, tour for, for this year, but if you get a chance, uh, I know they're working on some stuff in different parts of the country as well uh, for next year, so, so check those out. So. All right, madam, thank you so much. Good to see you uh, yesterday, uh, also here today. So Great to see you, my friend. How do people get a hold of you or QSC if they are so inclined? So QSC.com, uh, Corey.Shaper at QSC, or you can find me on, uh, on the Twitter and on uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters, uh, although in about a week, I will be in London and I will be at Tottenham Stadium with my beloved Chicago Bears. So if you want a mixture of football and AV, that would be a time to follow me. If you like. Hey, and that stadium has a ton of cues. Does it? I it will. does. Okay. Trying to get a hold of, uh, AVISPL is the, is the integrator. I'm trying to get a hold of, get a, an interview with them while I'm over there. So we'll, we'll see what that is. So, uh, but yeah, more than importantly, go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. While you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and the host of new programs that we have coming out. So, all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>